Brexit means Brexit. An exit from Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Seamus and not sure this is a great idea. Hello and welcome to Debated Podcast. I'm Conrad. I'm, as usual, joined by Will, my co-host, and we're going to be discussing all the latest political um, goings-on with today's guest, who is Daniel Sugarman, who is the um, a journalist for the Jewish Chronicle. Hi. So, um, I mean, before we get into um, the whole the sort of political stuff, um, would you mind sort of saying a bit about yourself and sort of how you got into sort of journalism? Sure, absolutely. Um, well, I I guess I was like many other people who do an arts degree at university. I did history. Um, I came out of that degree um, having no real idea what I wanted to do, um, as many, many people who do a history degree do. I mean, as, um, as someone who does a biochemistry degree, I, I'm finding quite the same problem. So it's not just right. arts degrees. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess I'm glad to know we're not alone in uh, in uh, in history. Um, I actually went to work for a marketing um, in a marketing role for a financial company for a couple of years, um, and I I mean it was it was good work, but I, it got to a point where I I was really ready to find something new, and I'd I'd actually been on Twitter um, just as as we as we do, and I saw a job advert for the Jewish Chronicle on Twitter. So I thought, okay, you know, I'm, I might as well apply. Um, and that was around three years ago. And I didn't have any journalism experience, as in I hadn't taken journalism um, as a degree, but I'd, I'd had a fair amount of experience writing, um, both in my marketing role and various blogging I'd done over the years. And I guess I gave a good enough account of myself. Um, interestingly enough, my last day in the job um, was also one of the most fraught because it was, think about it, you know, coming up to three years ago, uh, June 2016. Um, and it was for a financial company and everyone assumed, okay, you know, fine, Remain will win. And uh, my last day in the job was a Friday and the uh, Brexit result came out on uh, on Thursday night. So obviously everything was absolutely manic in the office. <laughs> and I, I went, okay, I'm going now. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's it's been a fascinating three years. So, um, obviously, uh, since that has happened, there has been a lot of um, shenanigans over Brexit. And we've just seen the most recent result of that with the Conservative Party uh, leadership contest, which is entering its final stage. What have been your thoughts as the campaign has gone on? Have you had any particular opinions about the candidates? What have you thought about the race in general? Um, the Tory, the Tory uh, leadership race, I think that Boris Johnson, uh, frankly, would be a disastrous prime minister. I think he's muddled through every single job he's had with uh, a mixture of um, fading charm. And um, I just I think that it would be terrible having <laughs> having him as our prime minister because he he would he would just try and bluff everything and and try and, and pretend that uh, he was he was doing a good job and uh, and he won't but on the other hand um i think that um he's probably the better option when you consider jeremy hunt who has to be 
more so than Boris, one of the most hated people in British politics, considering his stint as health secretary. So, uh, I mean, really, you know, between the devil and the deep blue sea, really. Um, in terms of the other candidates, I think that everyone, a lot of people liked the sound of Rory Stewart, although people somehow seem to forget that he had pretty much a similar background to Boris in that, you know, we're talking about Eton and, and Oxbridge and uh, I, it, there never, there never was a chance that he was going to get through to the final round. Um, and yes, the other candidates, I, I actually thought Gove would edge it. So I was, I was, um, I was surprised to see Hunt just take it, but, uh, but yes, I, I guess it will be, Gove would have been much more interesting because obviously you've got that history after after the referendum where you know the narrative would have it that Gove stabbed Boris in the back and uh, and now we won't get an interesting kind of one on one debate where that's kind of the elephant in the room but uh, but yes it looks very much uh, like Boris is going to be our next prime minister unless Theresa May. Um, suddenly says, you know what, I'm not going to resign. If, if, it's, if it's Boris or me, then it's better for the country if it's Boris. Uh, but we'll have to see. I don't know. Um, so, you, yeah, it's all about the sort of more on the sort of the Tory leadership thing. Um, do you think that the, there's their sort of plans for Brexit, any of them had the right idea, or do you think that they're all barking up the wrong tree? I don't think any of them really have that much of a plan for Brexit other than, you know, shut our eyes and hope for the best i think that it's looking increasingly likely that we're going to crash out with no deal which is not i mean to, to put it to put it lightly is not ideal um i i think that there that i i don't even know how we got to this point other than I mean, say what you like about the referendum, fine, people made the decision, but, but from that point onwards, it seems like our politicians have consistently made bad decisions of, of, from all parties, and it's led us to this to this point. Uh, a deal, I, I, I'm personally... I've always been a Remainer. If there was another, if there was another referendum, I would, I would vote Remain again. But there were ways to get a Brexit which would have been less harmful to fewer people and those opportunities were constantly ignored or passed up um obviously you uh, said that you'd be uh, wanting to vote remain in another referendum now uh, the labor party's position on brexit seems to have been hopscotching all over the place at the moment do you think that this is a sign that politics is becoming even more fragmented when uh, the two major parties seem to have such deep rifts over the biggest subject of the day. And if so, what do you think we're going to be seeing in the future? Are we going to see more fragmentation, so more uh, splinter groups like Change UK? Or do you think we're going to see uh, perhaps the Liberal Democrats overtaking one of the two major parties? Um, I mean, there are lots of interesting scenarios. I think that despite Labour's constant calls for an election, they should be <laughs> they should be considering themselves remarkably lucky that they aren't in power right now. Because if the Labour Party were in power, they wouldn't be able to do this constant fudge where one person says one thing, then they walk it back, then someone says something else. They'd they'd 
be held to account much more. And I think that were Labour were Labour in power right now, we'd be hearing a lot of talk about the the potential Labour rift rather than the Conservative one, because mm. both parties are are split on this issue. And I I understand obviously why the focus is on the Conservative rift because the Tories are in power. But uh, but yeah, La- Labour should be thanking their lucky stars they're not in right now. <laughs> Um, do you think that like the rise of the Brexit party in the European elections is sort of a harbinger of things to come, or do you think that was sort of a one-off protest vote? Um, it's a good question. I I mean, there there definitely was a protest vote element to it. I think. Um, I the I mean, it's it's notable that the Brexit party didn't carry Peterborough despite doing well in the European elections. I don't know whether when it comes down to a general election, people are going to look at that box and think, you know what, I don't really want to vote for what is at the end of the day claiming to be a single issue party. Um, but I, I could be totally wrong. I mean, most most people thought that in 2017, the Tories would win a significant majority, myself included. I think part of the reason many of us felt that is that we just we just couldn't comprehend that people knowing, seeing all the stuff about Jeremy Corbyn would nonetheless vote Labour. But uh, but they did. So I could I could be completely wrong. And perhaps perhaps people will vote for the Brexit party and perhaps Nigel Farage will finally get that seat in uh, seat in parliament that he's been uh, that he's failed to get for the last seven times is it but, yeah uh, something like that yeah something uh, like that I no, mean, I think, personally I hope not no I think the um, Peterborough result was obviously a disappointment for the Brexit party as obviously it was one that they definitely hoped to win and they did come quite close um, there's been th- rumours about this all you know postal vote stuff going on I don't know if there's anything in that I haven't looked properly into it but um, I think that a lot of it, you know more votes would be down to the fact that the the ground campaign for the Brexit party didn't seem to be existent at all from what I've saw on social media and that they just seem to you know whereas Labour have built up years of activist data all these things and you can't really replicate that overnight so I think that the longer the Brexit party have to build to a general election, the better position they'll be in, assuming Brexit doesn't doesn't happen. Yes, yeah, so I think I think that's a fair assumption. Um, I mean, I I don't I don't like the Brexit party or agree with its politics, but I think even people that don't like it or agree with its politics can agree that they they got off to a very strong start in terms of their their ground operation. They were producing. They were producing strong social media content, for example, um, strong videos, and that that really resonated. Whereas, as you say, when it came to a kind of pitch battle, so to speak, on the ground, um, they they just weren't there yet. You know, it depends how long they've got. I think you're right. The, the more time they have, probably the more beneficial this will be to them, unless, of course, Boris somehow comes in and uh, and some of that Brexit party support reverts back to the Tories. Uh, now, of course, one of the things that really marred the European elections, though obviously not to the uh, the degree that they didn't uh, win substantially for the Brexit party, were allegations of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia amongst candidates in the Brexit party. Now, mm. the Labour Party has obviously uh, suffered um, similar things, um, particularly in Peterborough, uh, with the comments that uh, Lisa Forbes made, do you think that there is a problem across parties 
uh, with candidate selection and that parties aren't looking closely enough at the candidates they're selecting if they have made horrific remarks. Yes, I, I do. I do think that none of the political parties out there yet have a real understanding as to how to do a proper um, investigation into the candidate in this social media age that we are in. I mean, we saw that with Change UK, didn't we? We mm. saw Change UK mm. announced their candidates, and within hours, you know, um, there a whole a whole bunch of them were discovered to have said various things. Um, I mean, I, I thought it was particularly hypocritical of, of various Labour supporters to be so gleeful of that, given um, all the stuff that's been going on in the Labour Party for however many years. But it does go to show that none, none of none of the parties seem to really have an idea. I don't know whether that's a generational thing. I don't know whether the people running the campaigns aren't are, are older and therefore just don't get social media to that extent. I really don't know. Um, certainly, it seems. I mean. I think now a younger generation growing up now let's say you've got a young a young teenager who's interested in politics and even thinks one day that they're going to have some sort of career in politics they they must have been looking at what's been going on in the last few years and realizing god i've got to be really careful what i say online i've got to be really careful because stuff can come back to haunt you but you know a decade ago who was thinking that no 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 one no teenager writing stuff you know to friends or whatever on 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 facebook or twitter was thinking anything of the sort so i'm i'd be interested to see what happens in the years to come yeah, there's obviously like a sea change in terms of how political parties do view social media, and especially in terms of candidate selection, as we've been saying. I I think that obviously not in terms of like racist comments, but that also you know the idea of like in the future there'll be like drunk pictures and stuff that are going to come out, and people are obviously who want to go into a career now very stage managed sort of Twitter feeds but I, I do worry that there's, there's going to be like no one interesting and fun in politics in, in future because it will just be the kind of people who who just completely stage managed completely got their life set on it whereas if someone thinks about it later they've already got this social media record and I, I hope hopefully that, that it won't be seen as such an issue but like you know things like with the odd junk drunk picture and things but i don't know what sort of the electorate of 2030 2040 will think of that i mean I, that that's assuming we're all around just just to be incredibly morbid for a moment that's assuming <laughs> yeah. we're around in a few decades uh, but um i i think it's i think it's possible to be interesting and entertaining without being racist frankly. oh yeah yeah and no, i wasn't going yeah. to like um, so I, I but i i understand what you're saying um but i think part of part of a real issue is people people want for, to some for some reason people want politicians or increasingly seem to want politicians that entertain them rather than politicians that might actually get stuff done so philip hammond is quite grey in terms of personality I think most people would agree um, he's he's not a politician that were he to have stood in the Tory leadership election uh, people would have really thought about voting for I think you know mm. people increasingly I'm hearing people say you know well and and to be fair they said this when he was elected London mayor you know at, le at least with Boris we'll be entertained or we'll, we'll have a bit of a laugh but I mean it's uh, 
it's people's lives so i'm i'm not i not 100% sure that entertainment should be top of people's priorities but uh but i i think it, i think it can be dangerous to have um to to base our political selections based on how entertaining someone is now um just going back to the um process that parties have with dealing with candidates or dealing with other internal matters a couple of weeks ago we had uh, george Ayleton who obviously you know is a Labour Party activist and I asked him about um, the expulsion of Alistair Campbell uh, from the Labour Party and how you know why he thought it was so um, quick that Campbell was expelled and yet obviously there were all these cases of anti-semitism that haven't been dealt with and he said that that was because of the uh, rules of the Labour Party that it was easy to expel someone for saying that they voted for another party rather than um, in cases of anti-semitism do you think that if the Labour Party at some point does really want to deal with anti-Semitism, that it has to change the mechanism by which it deals with it and perhaps change the Labour Party's rule book? Uh, definitely. I mean, I, I think that that was um, I remember when, you know, just a few weeks ago, Alistair Campbell was was kicked out of Labour and plenty of people were, were making the point. You know, he said he voted Lib Dem and you kicked him out within hours. You know, we've got people who have been spewing the most vile anti-Semitism and it's taken years and you've done nothing. And you had you had Labour people saying, well, the rule book makes it a lot easier for us to, to throw out someone who says they voted for another party, in which case the question is why? You've had years mm. to change this rule book. You know, it's not as if the it's not. I mean, for the, the Corbynista idea is, has been, you know, well, this this was the case under under the old regime. And we're bringing in these new comprehensive systems to improve things. It's rubbish. It's complete rubbish. They've had they've had a lot of time now to do stuff. They've done absolutely nothing. Do you think that um, obviously the problems lay with anti-Semitism? Do you think that the 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 Tory Islamophobia is a equal problem, or do you think that there is what comparison we made between the two? Um, that, that's an interesting question. I think that the problem of Tory Islamophobia is very real. Um, I I've seen I've seen a lot of evidence um, that that shows it to be very real. Um, I think that it's there there's a tendency by some people unfortunately to try and and dismiss um dismiss it by saying oh this is just a this is just a way to to kind of take tension um attention away from labor anti-semitism I think that's a terrible thing because I I I all the time I see Corbynite saying, oh, you know, there's no problem with Labour anti-Semitism, but look at Tory Islamophobia. And so when I see people saying, oh, there's no problem with Tory Islamophobia, but look at Labour anti-Semitism, I get very suspicious because I, I see that as, you know, just the, the mirror image of what the Corbynites are doing. I, I've i seen, unfortunately, horrific examples of Islamophobia um, from, from Tory activists and increasing suggestions that the party has done has not done nearly enough to, to act on it. So I I think that the Tories had an opportunity to show that they would deal with the, the situation differently as um, from Labour, which has been failing to deal with it very publicly for years now. And they've they've been failing to do that. And um, it's it's another it's another black mark against them, sadly. 
Um, obviously, we've uh, seen in the most recent leadership debate, uh, debate a great deal of uh, controversy um, over <clears throat> anti-Semitism, anti-Semitic remarks made by um, uh, people asking questions to uh, conservative leadership candidates. And the, the BBC were pilloried for not um, checking these people out and for uh, checking social media profiles. Do you think that the problem of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia isn't just confined to politics, but there's a broader problem that needs to be addressed in Britain as a whole? And do um, media platforms, whether they be the BBC or other organisations, have to do more to tackle this? I think I think media organisations definitely have to do more in in that particular instance with with the BBC and I, I think um, the gentleman's name was Abdullah Patel. Um, it would have been quite tough for the BBC to to have checked out his tweets because as as they pointed out, he for some reason he reactivated his account after he had gone on the mm. gone on the show which meant that previously you couldn't search for for his tweets and mm-hmm. so it w- they wouldn't have been able to find them so i i i think that's that's a fair explanation i i don't i don't blame the bbc for that um but it's it's a problem generally in society. Yeah, we've we've got a problem with racism. We've got a problem with anti-Semitism, with Islamophobia, with homophobia, with with all sorts of bigotry and hatred. And and the reason the reason we tend to see it in politics is because obviously um, our, our attention is much more focused on politics because you know it's it's about who rules the country. So so we tend to see it more in that in that climate. But I mean I've I've been a victim of a lot of anti-Semitism in my life. Um, very little of it was was to do with in in a political sphere. You know, it was walking down the street and someone would would say something anti-Semitic or you know that sort of thing. So it's it's a general problem in society, but we see it more in politics. No, yeah, no, I definitely agree that um, that there is sort of problem with racism in society, and I think that yeah, sort of politics is obviously a sort of a mirror image of what what we see in sort of everyday life, because obviously like. You know, we like to think that politicians are completely different and separate class. And again, some some aspects they are. They do sort of seem to live in their own bubble, but they all they they are sort of regular people as well. And so, therefore, sort of problems we see in politics will be sort of drawn from what we see in in every society as well. And but um, moving on to something slightly different. there was um, recently Stella Creasy, who's an MP pregnant, has talked about um, maternity in um, MPs and saying how female MPs have a big problem, they can't get maternity leave. And there's been a bit of a debate with, between her and Kemi Badnock. What's your views on um, on sort of the accessibility for, in, for women in Parliament, and specifically pregnant women? Well, I haven't I haven't followed the the specifics of the debate between between Stella Creasy and Kemi Badenoch, um, so I don't know exactly what the two of them have said to each other. But I do think that um, traditionally, and and this has been the case for years, provision for female MPs has been absolutely dire um, in in all sorts of ways. And I I think it was was Tulip Sadiq who pointed out, you know, who who basically. Uh, dragged herself out of her maternity bed um, a few days before pregnancy to, to vote on on something you know on on one of these important brexit votes um, I think I think it should 
it should tie into uh, a new look at some sort of remote voting system because I, I think that I know I know there are potentially pitfalls in a remote voting system, but I, I think that the benefits would outweigh um, those drawbacks. I think that that could be a very useful thing for for MPs who do get pregnant. Um, I I would completely agree with uh, with Stella Creasy that not enough is is done in Parliament to make um, to make the lives of pregnant MPs as easy as possible, and I uh, I mean I'd welcome any steps that Parliament would take to improve that. I don't I don't know what it would take, but uh, any any suggestions would uh, I'd be very interested to hear myself. Um, now, of course, there have been other um, issues in uh, Parliament, particularly in the Parliamentary Labour Party, regarding. The allegations against David Prescott and the and the, um, the the perhaps insinuation that these allegations have been suppressed. Do you think that in politics there isn't enough being done to listen uh, to people, particularly women, who report abuses in the workplace, in the workplace, in particular in Parliament? And that there should be uh, a tougher mechanism to deal uh, with these sorts of complaints and these sorts of issues. I think I think there should definitely be um, something tougher, uh, tougher in place to deal with these sorts of things. I think, for a start, that um, there should be an independent tribunal for, for all parties, mm. um, rather than it being an in-house thing. Because the problem with in-house, and this is. You, you see this in politics, and and I'm sure you will have seen yourselves. In some ways, political parties can be remarkably like religions, mm. and you'll get, and unfortunately, you get this in 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 all religions. This this idea that you you want to try and cover things up because you don't mm. want to bring disgrace to either the religion or the political party, and. It's we, we see that we see that with anti-Semitism in Labour and with uh, Islamophobia and the Conservatives and with um, with abuse in both parties. Sadly, I mean, David Prescott is certainly not the only instance within the Labour Party in the last few years of, of that sort of thing. Um, and yes, I think I think the only real way to go forward is is for there to be some sort of independent process, uh, you know, completely out of the control of uh, of the parties. Because I mean, we we've seen even recently this idea that uh, people close to Jeremy Corbyn would be getting involved in various cases, stepping in and, and trying to influence the result, and that's absolutely toxic. Well, um, it's we're coming to the end of the podcast now. It's been great to have you on. Um, just one, one last sort of slightly more light-hearted question. There's been recently um, a UK winner of the Euro Millions, 123 million, who is anonymous. Now, is this you? And, and if it is, uh, or if it was, what would you spend that money on? God, I, I really, really wish that was me. Um, <laughs> uh, it's as far as I know, it's not. Has the person come forward yet? Maybe, no, that, maybe but... it is me. And I, I just haven't looked at looked at the ticket. I don't know. Um, I do play the lottery sometimes, but I'm I'm assuming it's not me. Um, wow. If I if I had that sort of money, um, I think I would give. I would probably give about twenty percent of it to charity. Um, probably set up some sort of foundation to do that. Um, I would also, 
I would also probably try and put some of it into local news because having having been a journalist in local news and seeing just how local news in the last couple of decades has been absolutely decimated and and the effect that that's had had on national media as well i i think that that's uh, that's something that's vital um i'd probably also take a very long holiday and finally try and write that novel that i'm constantly trying and failing to write well that's a very good answer um so yeah thank you for, thank you for joining us today i'm sure we'd, we'd love to have you on again at some point um Fantastic. so um yeah if Thanks, everyone, for listening as well. If you want to get in contact, we're at Debated Podcast on Twitter. Also, we're on Facebook, or you can email thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com. So, yeah, I'm sure, sure we'll um, look forward to you listening to us next week.